Hi everyone, welcome back to our latest episode of What's the Crime? I'm Gemma. And I'm Grania and I am coming from you for to to you. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> coming for you. <laughs> coming to you from studio. Um so I am going to tell um a story now. It's actually an Irish story. Um so like usual, I will just get straight to it. 1990 was a decade of missing women in Ireland. We remember the names of the unfound, Annie McCarrick, Eva Brennan, Jojo Dullard, Deirdre Jacob. The names Patricia McGauley and Mary Cummins were once on that list. These two women disappeared from Dublin in the space of a year, and it wasn't until a large-scale review of cases of missing women from Dublin that a startling link was discovered between the two women, Both of them had unknowingly spent time with a predator. Born on September 19th, 1948, Patricia was one of four children, three girls and a boy. She grew up in Capel Street. Uh, She had various jobs and she met her first husband while working in a soap factory in North King Street. Um, The marriage, unfortunately, characterised by violence, lasted only two years. In 1982, she met um, another man, Michael Bambrick, and she moved in with him at his home in St. Teresa's Gardens. They had their first child, Adrienne. So they later moved to St. Ronan's Park, uh, Clondalkin, when her second child, Louise, was born. So they lived there for about five years, but, um, you know, didn't really get to know their neighbours very well. Um, The couple had a turbulent relationship, so Patricia used to drink quite a lot. Um, Her partner Michael said that she liked the drink. We had a lot of rows over her going out drinking and Patricia was on to me about working. So he had jobs as like a bouncer and a handyman. He, He was also a bit of a petty criminal. He ran up like six convictions for burglary and larceny and one was for stealing women's underwear. Uh, right. He was often out of work and on one evening in September 1991 himself and Patricia went out drinking in the Advocate which was a pub um, Patricia left the children down at her mother's before they went drinking Michael drank about six pints of Guinness and Patricia had four pints of tenants. So they left the pub at closing time and on the way down to her mother's to collect the children, they had an argument. So Patricia, um, she went into her mother's house on her own and picked up the children and um, left the house with the two kids and they got a taxi home to 57 uh, St. Ronan's Park. And they put the kids to bed first. So the argument had basically started because um, I think he thought it was too late to pick the children up or something. Um, And then they started arguing again in the house because um, she wanted cigarettes. um, And I think she wanted him to go back down to um, get cigarettes for her. And he said that they were only after passing the shop a wee while before. Um, So at this stage, they are sort of shouting at each other. Neighbors. Neighbours did hear, like, this row in the early hours of the morning. Um, There was a lot of screaming and shouting, and then it all went quiet. Patricia had been very close to her elderly mother, so she visited her regularly at her home in Mary's Lane in Dublin City Centre. 
Every week, her mother, Julia, collected the loan parents' allowance on behalf of her daughter. That September week in 1991 was no exception. She um, went down and collected the money and then waited for Patricia to collect her money. But Michael turned up instead. So he told her that Patricia was missing. So he said that um, she went missing and he went to the authorities and reported it. And, um, you know, her mum, Julia, is sort of like, what do you mean she's missing? Like, she would never just leave her two children, Adrienne and Louise. Um, And he said, he told the guards that uh, Patricia simply left to go to her mother's house and never reappeared. And Patricia was not seen again. So, yeah, it's very strange. Um, Yeah. Her disappearance sort of remained simply um, a missing person case. There was never really any major investigation ever mounted because um, I suppose it could be said that it was believed that she just walked away, even though her own mum is like, you know, she would never do that. Less than a year later, on July 23rd, 1992, Mary Cummins, who's age 36, a mother of one from the Liberties in central Dublin, she collected her single parents' allowance and shopped in Meath Street with her daughter, Samantha, who was age seven. That evening, she went for a drink with friends in Carr's Pub on Francis Street. So eyewitnesses put her as chatting to a man that she met there as pretty much the last sighting of her. And like okay, so Patricia, she obviously went missing? Yes, like Patricia, she wasn't seen again after this. So it was another mum that actually reported her missing. I think it was like um, a, a, a lady that the daughter had been left with. Um, when her home was searched, the messages or the groceries that she'd bought that day were still on the worktop. They had been bought and just never put away. And as with Patricia, days dragged by. There was no signs of her, weeks, then months. Um, a man that Mary had been chatting to in the bar was traced and interviewed, but he said that they'd parted ways outside the pub and he hadn't seen or heard from her since. So with nothing really else to go on, her name was just sort of added to a list of missing women in the greater Dublin area that kind of just kept growing. So in 1993, an American tourist, Annie McCarrick, went missing. So she was a 27-year-old woman that was last seen on CCTV taking money out of a bank link. She was going to the Wicklow Mountains for the day and she was never seen again. So her case was very high profile. There was a lot of pressure from the public, international press. So the guards sort of went back to re-review all the missing women reports in the Dublin area to rule if they sort of had a serial killer on their hands. So whilst their inquiries did not help them find Annie McCarrick, it did reveal something of interest. The man that missing women Mary Cummins had been talking to in the pub was the partner of another missing woman, Patricia McGauley. So. Although the guards sort of had long suspected Michael of Patricia's murder, they now had a connection to another missing woman. So 
Michael Bambrick was initially arrested in July 95, but he denied any knowledge of what happened to the women. Um, even though um, the guards made the connection and, you know, the, the suspicions were there of the two disappeared women, um, they suspected that their bodies were possibly in his backyard, but there wasn't really enough evidence to support a warrant for the search um, and excavation of 57 Ronan's Park where he lived um, the investigation was upgraded and Gardy with proven special days and difficult murder investigations were brought in and based at the station um, one of the arresting officers told the criminal court that the lengthy investigation and statements from a number of people including Michael Bambrick's daughter Adrienne um, all led to his arrest um, he also had a former girlfriend who um, made a statement to Gardy on June 9th, ninety five. She said that he enjoyed tying her up and engaged in unusual sexual practices and dressing in women's clothing. Um, she said that he had told her that he had killed a girl in Clondalkin but didn't want to remember it because it was, quote, too disgusting. So, okay. like... I don't know what to make of that. I mean, if someone said that, I'm sure you'd report it straight away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in a statement on June 24th, 1995, he admitted to killing both women. So he sort of details um, what happened and he gave the following description to the guards. So it's going to sort of read out sort of what he said about what happened, what he done. So from the stage of where they were arguing um, and shouting at each other, and remember I was saying that the neighbours could hear them screaming and then it went silent. Um, we were shouting at one another. The argument died down a bit. We were in the sitting room. We then went up to the bedroom and we were making love. I had her hands tied behind her back with a pair of tights. I then put tights in her mouth and tied them around the back of her head. Sometimes she let me do this. She didn't like it all the time. I heard her gasping and I realised she was dead. I think she turned blue. I had the tights so tight around her head. I went downstairs to the kitchen and got scissors to cut the tights. I panicked. I didn't know what to do. I then put the body in the box room and closed the door. The next morning, I took the two kids to school where I was working. Adrienne, um, mind and Louise. When I finished work, I went down to Patricia's mother's house to collect the buggy and her mother gave me money she had collected in the post office for Patricia. I then went home with the two children. I didn't know what to do. I went up to um, Ronan's town guard station. I got as far as the gate. I lost courage and turned back. The next day, Friday, I cut up the body of Patricia, the body that was still in the box room. There was a plastic bag underneath her and a big old towel. I cut the body by using a paper knife on the skin and a junior oh hacksaw to cut the bones. I cut off the arms, legs and head and put them into a large black refuse sack and I put the rest of the body into another black plastic bag. I also put the towel and the plastic bag she was lying on into this bag. That night, I took the arms, legs and head to Balgari Dump. I went up on my bicycle. 
I just put them down where all the other bags were and took them out of the bag and then covered them with dirt with my hands. On Saturday the next day, I took the rest of the body to the same dump and dumped it there. I covered this with old other rubbish bags. I will show where I dumped them. Sometime this year, I gave all my tools to um, another man, basically, in Ballyfermot. And the hacksaw is in that case of tools. At around July of 1992, I met a girl by the name of Mary Cummins in Cara's pub. Adrienne, my daughter, was with, with me. I had three pints and I bought one pint for Mary Cummins. Mary Cummins and myself and Adrienne left the pub together. I invited Mary for a drink to Ballyfermot. She said she had to leave her messages down to her flat first. The flat was near St. Patrick's Church. I can't remember the name of the place. The three of us went into Mary's flat and she left the messages there and the three of us left and got a taxi from Christ Church to my home in St. Ronan's Park. I got a babysitter for Adrienne, Catherine Cully. And then myself and Mary went to Finch's pub in Clondalkin and we had three or four pints each. We left there and went down to 79 pub Ballyfermot and we had a few more drinks there. We left at closing time and got a taxi back up to St. Ronan's Park. Catherine Cully and Adrienne were up. Catherine went home and my daughter went to bed. Me and Mary were in the sitting room. We started kissing and I was feeling her. I know I tied her up and gagged her. I tied her up by tying her hands behind her back with a belt and stuffed tights into her mouth and tied her the same way I had tied Patricia. The next thing I knew, she was dead. She was on the sofa at this stage. I took the gag off her and the belt. I then took the body and left it in the box room. I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. I didn't think of getting a doctor. I was too afraid. The next day, I cut off Mary's legs with a hacksaw and put them into, like, literally the same thing. Put them into black yeah. refuse bags and put the rest into another refuse bag. I put two more bags outside these bags the way the body would not fall out. I then put the body into my wheelbarrow and took it up to big fields near Balgaddy School. I took the body out of the bags and buried it under the other rubbish that was there. I took the clothes off the body and I burned them in the fire at home. I left the suspender belt and tights on her. I will show where I dumped the body. Oh my God. Adrienne said to me the next morning something about the lady leaving her shoes behind her. I said to Adrienne they were old shoes and she didn't want them anymore. I then burned them in the fire as well. I don't know what came over me on either of these occasions. I don't know how to explain it. I got enjoyment out of stuffing the tights in their mouth. I now realise the danger of what I did on these occasions. So weird, isn't it? I know, I realise the danger. Do you not realise after the first time? I know, like, and the second time was a... Like did the same, you know, put her in the box room and stuff. Like it's real weird. Um Sick. I know. And it was um a double tragedy for the family, for Patricia's family, um, because two years prior to this, her other sister Bernadette was knocked down and killed by a lorry in Blanchardstown. So Julia Oh my had to god both of her daughters. It's just so sad. That is so tragic. I know. So in July 1996, he was sentenced to 15 years for the manslaughter of Patricia and 18 years for the manslaughter of Mary, both sentences to run concurrently. Um, but he was actually released from prison in 2009 at age 64 after serving just 13 years for, um, for both of the murders. 
So it's Which really is so wrong. It's not that it's not that long. Do you know what I mean? For two it's, lives. Yeah, it's so wrong. Two he murdered two women and he got thirteen years. I know, it just seems so little. Thirteen years just seems so short, you know, Patricia and Mary's lives were, you know, cut short and their families have to live with that forever. Okay, guys, we know that that episode was quite a hard lesson at times um, and we appreciate all of our listeners and we will be back again next week for a brand new episode of What's the Crime? Thank you. Bye. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.